You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It's a Thursday on the Blog and the Boys podcast network, and you know what that means. It's time to get riled up on the Cowboys with your man, Tom Ryle, and your boy, Roy White at RW3 on Twitter. You can follow him at Tom Ryle BTB. And of course, you can follow all the great programming here at Blogging the Boys just by downloading that uh, that podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the Blogging the Boys podcast powered by SB Nation, and you will get all that fantastic content as well as what we offer you on bloggingtheboys.com and the Blogging the Boys YouTube page. And Tom, what a difference a week makes. How oh, we were man. Seeing- yeah, I'm sorry to jump in, but yeah, I'm just so exuberant. Uh, it was a thrilling. It was interesting as I was uh, mentioning to somebody today. It's almost it's odd because the Cowboys, I think, really should have won the Tampa Bay game uh, and got kind of victory snatched from them a little bit by some calls late in the game that went against them. And I'm not too sure that the Chargers didn't get a little bit robbed by having two touchdowns taken off the board and everything. Uh, I felt the Cowboys actually were more deserving of winning the first game than they were of this one. But I ain't going to give the win back. A win is a win. That stuff happens uh, all around the NFL uh, to many teams. So, you know, it was a close game. I'm hoping we get away from close games soon. Uh, because I hate it when it can swing either way at the very end of the game. But uh, they got a win. They're off the schneid. And it looks like things might be a little bit easier coming up, uh, starting with our beloved rivals, the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, We're going to see a a lot about what the two teams are made of. It's going to have a lot of implications for the NFC East, which, of course, is the Cowboys' most guaranteed way to get into the playoffs is just win the division. Uh, We already know that the Giants are in bad shape. It looks like the Washington football team is not the uh, challenge a lot of people thought they were going to be. And if the Cowboys can knock off the end, the Eagles take care of business on Monday, well, then let's see what happens because the next three opponents look very beatable if they stack up a couple of wins in a row. No question about it. From feeling like we could be in a dire straight at 0-2 to now feeling like the Cowboys may find themselves at 4-1 five weeks into the season. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves because we know a lot can happen between now and then. And as you mentioned, we've kind of seen that with two close games being decided the way that they were now at It wouldn't really be the Cowboys, would it, if they weren't playing close games every week? So I'm not necessarily sure we want to get too far away from that. But as we look at what they will be facing on Monday night in their rivals in the Philadelphia Eagles, this is a team that looked very good in week one. Quite frankly, had a lot of pieces rolling together. They stomped out a bad 
Atlanta Falcons team. And I believe that score was 32 to six. Jalen Hurts looked like a NFL quarterback and one that might be a viable option. And it was after that week that many people were saying that, you know what, it's not Washington. It's Philly that poses the biggest threat to the Cowboys in the NFC East. And then a week ago, they go up against what I believe is a stout team in the San Francisco 49ers, and they lose that game, 17 to 11. Not a very impressive offensive showing from Jalen Hurts, but he was really the only piece working for them at all offensively as they didn't get very many contributions from the likes of Jalen Rager or Devontae Smith. And now they have seen one of their star tight ends in Zach Ertz go on the COVID reserve list. We're not hundred percent sure whether or not he will be back in time for Monday. He's got a chance because all he needs is two negative COVID tests within a 24 hour span and he will be cleared to play. Not really a player that's been doing all that much for them, though, through two games anyway, Tom. But as we look at this Eagles team, right, a couple of key pieces that they will be missing on Monday night as we are familiar already with the Cowboys injuries, and we've got even more to get to you. But for the Eagles, two very important losses, both Brandon Brooks, their offensive lineman, and Brandon Graham, one of their best defensive line players, a stout defensive end who's given the Cowboys trouble in years past, He will be out for the season. Brooks going on IR, so certainly will miss Monday night's game. Yeah, uh, but then we have to look at it that the Cowboys are still still dealing with some of their own COVID issues. Thankfully, we're getting Randy Gregory back. He was uh, reportedly at practice today, but, well, now guess what? Keanu Neal has gone on the COVID list, and it looks like he's got – a day less than Zach Ertz to try to get back. Mike McCarthy is reportedly planning that he is not going to be there. He's not going to be ready to go. Uh, We've also got concerns because it looks like, I'm sorry, that's on my end. Uh, Durant's Armstrong, Dorrance Armstrong is going to probably be out as is Carlos Watkins. Now we've got some thinness on the defensive line that's going to be made up a little bit by the return of Gregory. And I bet we're going to see Chauncey Goldston on the field. That's what the speculation is. Well, that'll be interesting to see. Uh, Dorrance Armstrong, high ankle sprain, keeping him out. And then Carlos Watkins got a little bit banged up as well. So some concerns along the Cowboys offensive line, uh, defensive line, of course. Uh, We already know about the concerns on the offensive side of the ball. Still no Leo Collins, although he plans to appeal his five-game suspension. Doubt there's going to be any movement on that front before Monday night. Another offensive issue, though, the Cowboys may have, and one to keep an eye on, Amari Cooper and his rib injury. Finished the game last week with just three catches for 24 yards. Wound up having to leave there in the fourth quarter to get some, you know, some looks at his injured ribs. Mike McCarthy called him bruised ribs earlier this week, but we'll have to see what type of practicing he does. Obviously, that's a concern area for me, especially for a wide receiver who is willing to make catches over the middle and at times leaves himself in a vulnerable position. With the Eagles knowing that, I'm sure they will key in on that if given the opportunity. And that's a concern because for a team that's already down one wide receiver and in Michael Gallup, I still feel like Dak Prescott could make things work with CeeDee Lamb and a pair of tight ends, but I'm mildly concerned about the Amari Cooper rib situation. 
Yeah, I'm going to worry about that. Uh, you have to hope that C.D. Lamb is going to be able to pick up the slack. We know they don't have Michael Gallup. Um, there were some good plays from Cedric Wilson, but we don't really know how much impact there was because they really didn't use the wide receivers all that much because the running game was working so well. No question about it. And the running game was working to on all cylinders last week, and that was – Actually, probably where we go, want to go from here, because I know you have taken a look at this game against the Eagles as another option and another uh, opportunity to see some things from the Cowboys that we would like to see. And I think one of those items is concerning the way Kellen Moore has called the football game through the first two weeks in week one pretty much all passing because of such a stout run defense that they were going up against in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Obviously they did not have a whole lot of success running the the ball in that game. And Dak Prescott threw all over the field. Well, the chargers conversely were not as stout against the run and the Cowboys were able to take advantage of that, both with Ezekiel Elliott running on the inside and with getting Tony Pollard space on the outside. So Looking at this game against the Philadelphia Eagles, Tom, and what you would want to see from a Cowboys perspective, what can Kellen Moore realistically show us that he hasn't shown us yet to show that he is evolving in this process and is still going to maintain that piece that I think a lot of Cowboys are looking at saying, I really don't know what's coming next. That's a refreshing feeling for Cowboys fans who were so used to seeing the Jason Garrett playbook run time and time and time again. Yeah. I don't know that he needs to come up with something new because we had such radically different approaches. You know, imagine how the defensive coordinator in Philadelphia is Jonathan Gannon. What do you take away from those first two games? Which one are you most worried about? Can you be worried about both ways, about having Dak tear you apart? Are you going to be able to get enough pass rush? Because he's faced some very good defensive line play with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Chargers had Joey Bosa, who was totally nullified by Terrence Steele. Mm -hmm. You know, that seems almost unreal. With a whole lot of help from Zach Martin, though. Let's not forget that having Zach Martin back – I'll trade Lyle Collins for Zach Martin 10 days out of 10, right? We kind of didn't consider the fact that this offensive line actually got better from week one to week two simply by seeing his return because, boy, did they use him like a plow against the Chargers. The the highest graded PFF player in the league at all positions, Zach Martin – your future Hall of Famer from the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, that was that was invaluable. But the key thing is the Cowboys have shown that they can handle pass rushes, partly because Dak is very good at getting the ball out quickly when he has to. So do you try to defend Dak? If you get too concerned about that, all of a sudden Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard could be coming down your throat and you're not prepared to stop them. Um, you know, I don't think the Eagles secondary is particularly stout. So yeah, where, where do you turn? I think that kind of by accident or 
just because of the way the situation's lined up with what he was facing. Moore has created just about an impossible situation for the opposing defense to try to come up with a valid game plan because it seems like the only thing you can really plan to do is try to be ready for anything that comes. And that's not a very successful or, or realistic way to approach things. So I'm not too sure how they're going to face it. I think it's got to be headaches. I think they've got to be looking at the video of the two games, doing a little com comparison and contrast and wondering, well, just what the heck do we do? How do we line up against them? Uh, you know, and I was thinking, as I mentioned, you know, one of the other things I'm looking for, because Moore did so well with that, they kind of interlock. Let's keep this Elliott and Pollard thing going. You know, I refer to it as thunder and lightning because Elliott tends to get the tough yards when you need them. He tends to pound a little bit on the defense. And then Pollard comes in and he's the speed slashing guy. I love to see what happened because all this talk about, oh, we've got to give Pollard some of Elliott's carries. No, you don't. Uh, there was only in touches. Elliott had two more touches than Pollard in that game. Rushing, just rushing alone, they combined for 180 yards. Together, when you throw in their, their passing yards, they were more than half of the Cowboys' total offense. I mean, what more do you want? You've got something that works so beautifully. Why are you going to mess with that? So that gives the, uh, the other team something else to work with. And there were times, if you go back and, you know, you can look at the, the videotape or you can just check, uh, check out what was uh, in the snap counts. He had, uh, Moore had both Pollard and Zeke on the field at the same time a few times. And that offers fascinating possibilities because you roll out there with 21 personnel. You got your two running backs tied in, two wide receivers. Defense is going to send out their, their you know, 4-3 or 3-4 package. They're going to have the front seven with just four defensive backs. Then you can motion Pollard out wide. You could even go empty set because Ezekiel Elliott ain't no slouch catching a ball out of the backfield, so you can move him out to the outside. Someone's all getting a sudden, linebacker. Huh? Yeah. Someone's getting a all, linebacker. All of a sudden, you've got an empty set facing your run defense. Oh, Kellen Moore would just take that any day. Well, and the other hat tip I have to give is to the two tight ends. Uh, Blake Jarwin and Dalton Schultz, really unsung heroes through the first two weeks of the season. But Dalton Schultz has had some tremendous plays, uh, both in catching the football and then also in, in chipping and blocking. They were involved yeah. very heavily in allowing Terrence Steele to kind of navigate the Joey Bosa waters. And the two of them did a terrific job, especially in and around the goal line of, of, of helping the Cowboys get the push that they needed to get those extra yards, to get those first downs, and then picking up a couple of third downs as well. I, I mean, Blake Jarwin had a great catch and spin, and, and it feels like every time both of them get the ball in their hands, they're, sh they're shrugging off the first tackler and they're getting positive yardage, right? There's no Jason Witten, and no offense to the Hall of Famer, right? But it's just so much of what we saw at the end is that catch and fall, catch and touch and down Jason Witten that 
quite frankly, it's incredibly refreshing to see. Again, all due respect to the Hall of Famer because he was that great when he was that age. But Blake Jarwin and Dalton Schultz have shown a little something. And especially the catch that Dalton Schultz made on his shoestrings that was a pinpoint throw from Dak Prescott uh, there inside the red zone. Those were tremendous plays that both of those guys deserve a hat tip for. Yeah, I thank you for bringing up that Dalton Schultz catch because that was was fantastically done on both ends. I don't think that ball would have made it through if, if Dak had put it anywhere else and, and Schultz went down and got it. And it looks to me like Jarwin heard the criticism over the, the failed Zeke run in the red zone and really has borne down on his blocking. So, yeah, they were, they were assets in this game. And so, yeah, you've got, you've got CD, hopefully Amari's going to be okay. Uh, Cedric Wilson had one really great catch and run uh, where he actually, it was like he was had to catch his balance and he put one day, hand down on the ground like he was coming out of the blocks at a start of a sprint. I was and, shocked at how badly the charger, like how badly three different players overran him, like running yeah. as if they're going to meet him on the sidelines and he makes the cut and they're five, six yards down the field, right? They have time yeah. to like, at least stop and square up and all of them ran and couldn't get turned until they actually hit the sideline. He was already past them and moving up the field. I mean, there's no shortage of weapons on this offense. I mean, I think we've just gone over now seven different players between the two running backs, the two wide receivers, the two tight ends, and now Cedric Wilson, you know, getting some play in there as well. But I do want to talk a little bit about, you know, the X factor. We, we spoke about it at the beginning of the podcast here, but this will be where the Cowboys game plan, I think, defensively and perhaps the game itself is decided. How do you utilize Micah Parsons in week one? Primarily a linebacker. Tremendous job in that game. I think some of the videos that were shared on social media do not do him justice. He was doing exactly what he was supposed to do when he ran down into the box and then turned and sprinted as if he was back in coverage. But again, not going to get too bogged down to the details there because what he did in week two was even more impressive. 27 defensive snaps as a down lineman led the NFL for the week in total hurries with eight, had four quarterback hits, also added a sack, and his speed in rushing the passer, and also his violent hands, his active hands, are so impressive to watch that I have to admit, Tom, I think he's best utilized on the defensive line in this game, and I understand the argument to – shadow Jalen Hurts to, to make him a, a guy that, you know, you use to spy on. But I'd rather him chasing Jalen Hurts and forcing Jalen to make that decision. And perhaps, you know, can we rely on the likes of Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith to play the way that they did in week two? I think a lot of that had to do with the pressure that Micah Parsons brought to the table. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, I – I can't say that you're wrong. However, I was toying with an idea. Uh, you know, I was talking to you in a little bit of in the, the pre-pod prep. 
I would not be surprised to see if they have Micah Parsons in a linebacker role, but his job is to come in to stop the run. And if it's not a run, just turn it into a blitz and go after Hertz every down he's out there. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that's feasible, but that gives the, uh, the Eagles a, a problem. They can't really try to flood uh, the Cowboys defense with their receivers because if Parsons is coming on virtually every play, they're going to have to have some help in there. Uh, especially, you know, if Randy Gregory comes back and is playing well, uh, then, you know, and you know, he is back if he's playing well and they've got some pressure being generated on the outsides. It's a little disappointing that Armstrong might be out or it looked like he'll be out because he was getting some good pressure, but you know, Osa Adigazua was actually getting up through the middle some. So if the Cowboys can still generate pressure with their four down linemen and throw Parsons into the mix, the Eagles are going to have to account for the extra pressure coming. And that's going to really make it hard for Hertz to take off and run if Parsons can get through the line clean because he can run anybody in the NFL down just about. Uh, so, you know, I think they're going to find a way for him to be there to account for uh, Hertz. Now, it may sometimes come from the edge uh, where they, they use him maybe as a stand-up pass rusher, but I think that, that Quinn showed he was able to adapt with Parsons' role, and I'm really hoping he's going to find a good solution this time because all of a sudden, this is a guy you could build a whole defense around. You can, you can use your other people to their best abilities because Parsons' best ability is, yes, give him a role, and he will do it better than anybody on the field. Yeah, he, he makes me think back to the popularization of a specific hybrid position that kind of was popular a couple years ago. Um, I believe the, the defensive player's name was Buchanan for the Arizona Cardinals, and he was referred to as a money backer. And this was kind of a hybrid safety type linebacker role. Um, another guy by the name of uh, Simmons, who actually plays for the Arizona Cardinals now too. He was another one of those players that was regarded as this safety slash linebacker hybrid. And when I look at Micah Parsons and I ask myself, is this the best combination of a two role defensive player that you could possibly have in the NFL? I think it is. Because what yeah. he can bring you both rushing the passer and then also solidifying the defense from a linebacker position, right? Being the anchor point. And we know, you know, as, as much as we dog on the linebacker position, and I do, as being one that's not as highly coveted in the NFL, if you have a very special one, that can make all the difference in the world. And Micah Parsons is that special one at least appears yeah. to be after two weeks. I think he's single hand. I honestly think he run, won the Rookie of the Year award already on the defensive side of the ball. All he has to do <laughs> is stay healthy. And yeah. after that performance in week two, it's going to take a mountain for the likes of a, either a J.C. Horn or a, you know, or um, certain uh, to, to overtake him. And I don't I, like I say that somewhat tongue in cheek, but I don't think I'm being that far off. And I bet his odds are probably amongst the best in Vegas to win it. Yeah, and I would not be surprised if if Quinn really wants to mess with the Eagles' mind to see one or two plays where 
Parsons actually is the box safety and they're disguising what everyone is doing. And then they just, you know, he goes a completely different direction than they expect and lines up where they aren't planning with some kind of, with a, a package that they can't figure out what's going on. Uh, he's that good. He, he's not just a, a hybrid of two positions. I think you could say he's a, he's a slash player with, he, he could easily be a box safety as well as a linebacker or an, an edge rusher. Uh, that's just because he's got all these tools that, that would fit all the roles. It's just, you don't see somebody with that size and speed combination come along, but once in a very rare, uh, very long time. And here the Cowboys have him. And, and I want to go on record again as saying, I was so wrong in even feeling a little disappointment about the Cowboys picking him uh, in the first round. Uh, you know, I was it didn't, too. yeah, it didn't take me long to have some people talk me down off the ledge a little bit, but now seeing what he's doing, I'm going like, man, they, they, they hit not just a home run, but this is a tape measure job. You know, this one is, is, uh, out, out at the park in San Francisco into the Bay, you know, it is just monster, a monster hit by the Cowboys on him. Uh, and like yeah, I think said, this is the Zach Martin equivalent on defense. It could be, and that's wild to think that they've accumulated that much defense, that much talent. And it's with picks let me, 17 let's and, just, and 11. Yeah. Uh, you know, let me just say that this is one of the dirty little secrets that it's not. You know, it's Jimmy Jimmy Johnson, one of the many coaches that said it. It's not the X's and O's, it's the Jimmy's and Joe's. And if you have enough talent, you can get to a point where as long as your uh, offensive and defensive coordinators are just not idiots, which we've kind of dealt with once or twice in the past, you what can win you? games just off of talent. No, yeah, don't do go do don't, oh, your no, special don't. teams coaches. Uh... You had to go there. Oh, no, you know not. what? He's taking a lot of heat, okay? He schemed up a blocked punt, okay? It's the defensive player's job to not make that penalty. Yes. It's it's and, hard to put that one on bones, quite honestly, for me. And and I I hope – I actually, did love his answer, blaming Cowboys fans for why he did yeah. it. Yeah. Okay, that was, I hope, that was trash. I hope he stays very aggressive as the defense, as the special teams coordinator and far less aggressive in the press conferences. That's, you know, don't, don't try taking a page out of Jerry Jones's book. Don't try to get up there and make the, 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 the funny statement and all that stuff. Just go up there and be very reserved behind the microphone and cut it loose on the field. Cause if they had made that block, punt he would be hailed as a genius that's the truth when you take a gamble like that you're the hero or the goat and this time he was being considered the goat i don't think it was as horrible a move as everyone does and i hope he keeps looking for ways to help his team like that because sooner sooner or later he's it's going to pay off well, the ultimate goal there, what the Cowboys are looking for, trying to increase takeaways. And through two games this season, 
They lead the NFL in takeaways with six, something we haven't said about a Cowboys team, I think, in almost a decade. Um, I think in 2014 they were leading. Uh, they had a real good year, but without delving back into the, the numbers, yeah, because they've struggled the past couple of years, started to catch on late last season. Now, uh, what is it? I think somebody pointed out that Trayvon Diggs has now got like four games with a takeaway in a row going back into last season. Uh, Demonte KZ came in and, you know, Second game, I think he got he had a, a takeaway. He had a forced fumble or something. He has a pair of them the already. He has two takeaways. Yeah, he's got a pair. Uh, okay, I'll take that all day long. Uh, you know, it's like we finally have some players uh, in the secondary that understand that you can actually catch the ball. You're not just there to knock it down. You're not just there to st- – be in front of the receiver with uh, your back to the quarterback, you can turn around and, and, and catch that ball yourself for your team. So we, yeah, I mean, when's the last time you felt this comfortable with the safety man? I mean, you know, we're, hopefully we're going to get Donovan Wilson back this week. And we saw J Ron curse. We saw, uh, we saw uh, Devonte Casey and we saw Malik Hooker all have very solid games at safety. We actually have NFL caliber safeties and they're too deep in the safety room now. Mm-hmm. I mean, that just, it's wild. And I think that's part of why uh, Dan Quinn has been rolling out. He did to start the game against the chargers. He rolled out a three safety look, what he calls the heavy nickel. Uh, I love it. You know, I think the more looks he can throw out there, as long as the looks are working, the better because they just get more effective as thing goes along. Well, and obviously Dan Quinn has that defense working because for the first time since October of 2018, the Cowboys actually won a football game and they didn't have to score 30 points to do it. We now may be embarking on a stretch of games where the Cowboys can win a couple of football games without necessarily needing to score 30 points. Although I do anticipating them getting back up into that range against the Eagles. And then over the next few games as well, with that being said, Tom, your final thoughts about what you'd like to see from the Cowboys against the Eagles there on Monday night. I think I'd have to say that by uh, my final, I've actually got two. We've seen better play uh, from from a lot of people. You know, Terrence Steele, uh, you know, Zeke had a much better, much more visible game. Yeah, uh, but you know what Zeke's very... done through two games that's been incredible? In fact, probably Blocked the up. best Blocked. in the league. His blocking Blocked. has been outstanding. There are, yes. so, and... there, there are so many running backs that are getting run over, that are getting plowed in the backfield and not doing – anything to stop players from getting to the quarterback and Ezekiel Elliott has stepped in I want to say I've seen him seven or eight times at least step out of nowhere take a shot and save Dak Prescott the extra half second he needed to get a ball off yeah and that's why I said visible his 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 work was great but kind of invisible to the average 
viewing fan in game one. In game two, people go like, oh, my goodness, Tony Pollard outrushed him. Okay, Tony Pollard was, I think, the third best running back in the league that week. Ezekiel Elliott, among running backs, if you throw out the quarterbacks like Jalen Hurts that were had a very high rushing total, Zeke was like eight or nine. He was a top 10 performance on the day. I mean, what more do you want? Uh, that's why they had such a great running game. And so, you know, there's, you're seeing improvement there. We saw the tight end step up. Uh, we saw Cedric Wilson step in and, and, and do a job. The whole defense just seems to be playing with more intensity and more fire. And if they can continue that kind of, of passion and focus throughout the team, and especially on defense, I think this team can go a long ways. Now, we've talked about a whole lot of positive things that we kind of want to see continue. There is that one glaring thing that I really need to see Mike McCarthy clamp down on. No matter what their discussions about the disappearing play clock and thinking the Chargers were going to call a timeout, blah, 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 blah. There was just visible and open confusion on the Dallas sidelines when they were trying to get set up so that Greg Zerline could come in, redeem himself, and save the day with the game-winning field goal. That's got to stop. They've got to be better prepared. They've got to have a better plan they need to practice these things. And that seems like the kind of thing they don't have to necessarily practice it out there with the team. They just have to say, okay, we've got this situation. What's the plan? Okay. Is this situation? What's the plan? They can table talk that stuff and should be able to get it better. Uh, they just need to find a way to, to kind of put pressure on themselves so that they don't get their. They have to understand they can't sit there and mull it over. It just has to be, here's the situation. What do you do? And they say, well, I think I go like, eh, just ran out. No, you got to do it real time as the clock's running. That can be done. And that is where Mike McCarthy, I think, needs to step up his game. Because what else does he really do on game day? He's going to make a decision on whether to challenge plays. He gets the final call on that. And he's he's going to be responsible for managing the clock. Other than that, it's just going to be, yeah, Kellen, why don't you call that touchdown play here? You know, that's all he's going to do. Because it's it's not his. He's no. not calling the offense. He's certainly not calling the defense. He's you know no. he's maybe... got all the time in the world to pick out the clock that he likes at AT and T Stadium, yeah. and he won't have to worry about it getting turned off on him as he claimed yeah. as the seconds wound out. Apparently, there's only one clock in Los Angeles, yes. right? In this whole new SoFi Stadium, only one clock in the whole building that he could look at it. it just or only one that's visible from because the way they, they've got that fancy schmancy sci-fi uh, yeah. surround, surround screen thing they've got. And I actually saw some random people that I don't even think were Cowboys fans that came to his defense and saying, yeah, the clock setup is really bad because the, the facility – was designed as much with other entertainment in mind as it was with football, which, you know, hey, it's yeah. L.A. What do you expect? It's as bad as an excuse as I've heard, Tom. Uh, I need him out <laughs> on the field then three hours beforehand identifying where all the clocks are so he will not make that mistake going forward. But, and yes. Like, like you said, Monday night, if he doesn't know where everyone is, then he hasn't been paying attention. Well, I have to say, Tom, I am brimming with confidence, and that always makes me nervous when heading into a divisional game, especially one against the Philadelphia Eagles. Were this on the road, 
I perhaps might be even more anxious, but with them being in the friendly confines of AT&T Stadium, I do feel good about a Cowboys win, and I think it's by a two-score margin minimum. Yeah, I would, I would actually love to see that for a variety of reasons. Let me give you just one. I would love to see them get up by like 17 points uh, fairly late in the game so that they could maybe roll Nation Wright or Maurice Kennedy out there so they could start playing around with the idea of they really want to keep Anthony Brown as their CB2. Uh, you know, and that's something I think they haven't been able to do because they've just had two games where it was neck and neck for from the, the starting whistle to the ending whistle. So, uh, you know, maybe that just hasn't come about and maybe this is a chance for them to get a shot to try fixing one of the few things on defense that they haven't really come up with an answer on. Well, as always, Cowboys Nation, let us know what you want to see from the Cowboys on Monday Night Football. Do you want to see more of Ezekiel Elliott, perhaps, to be involved? Do you want to get the tight ends more involved? Perhaps uh, CeeDee Lamb can put on another encore performance as he currently leads the team right now uh, in receiving yards. Amari leading with touchdown catches, although CeeDee would be tied with him had he not dropped that, uh, that one. But uh, that's beside the point. Either way, Tom, that – concludes another episode of riled up you can of course check out all the podcasts on the blog of the boys podcast network by subscribing make sure you hit up that youtube page as well as we will have all that fantastic brand new content for you coming to you every tuesday todd tom and the guys getting going on that round table to dissect the cowboys win or lose but with that tom we'll send the people to enjoy their thursday and get you ready for Monday night football. For Tom Ryle, at Tom Ryle BTB, I'm Roy White, at RW3 on Twitter. Again, hit us up. Tell us what you want to see from the Cowboys. And until next Thursday, we'll see you.